Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Book of Romans with this message entitled, A Warning to Christians, preached July the 10th, 2011. A warning against Christian pride. It's a warning against pride of God's people. So it's a warning to this church. It's a warning to me and it's a warning to you. In Romans 9, 10 and 11, St. Paul deals with the question of Jewish salvation. The Jews have rejected their Messiah, it is true. But their rejection is not total or final. There has been always a remnant of Jewish believers. In God's purpose, we learned, the Jewish rejection of the Messiah brought the gospel to the Gentiles. The conversion of many Gentiles will provoke the unbelieving Jews to positive jealousy and they will believe and in due time a majority of the Jewish nation will believe in their Messiah. And this future conversion of the majority of the Jews will bring about even greater blessing to the Gentile believers. So we consider several points. First, pride. When I say it, look at yourself. Pride. But Paul recognizes an existing problem in the Roman church. Also probably in other churches. Where Gentile believers were in the majority. There was a tendency to become proud of themselves and look down upon the minority of Jewish Christians as well as the Jews who did not believe. In Romans 11:16 through 24, the apostle deals with this Christian problem of the anti-Jewish attitude. Second, olive tree analogy. There is the analogy of an olive tree in verse 16. And it is worked through in the rest of the text. This one tree represents the one people of God. There is only one church. There are no two churches, the Gentile church and the Jewish church, the black church and the white church, the Chinese church and the Korean church. This one church consists of Jewish and Gentile believers on equal footing. The Gentiles are fellow citizens with the saints, that is, Jewish believers. And members of God's household. Yes, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. 
members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This one church is built on the foundation of the gospel with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In the one olive tree analogy, if the root is holy, so also the branches. Number three, the root of this tree. The root may be Abraham who believed in the Messiah. Abraham is called the father of all believers who believed in the one who said before Abraham was I am. Strictly speaking, we are not told who the root is. In my view, the holy root is the Messiah himself. The root of Abraham and David and the shoot from Abraham and David in his incarnational life. Jesus Christ is described as the root of Jesse and a shoot from Jesse. St. Paul identifies in Romans 15, 12, Jesus as the root of Jesse, the king in whom the Gentiles will hope. St. John, in the book of Revelation, calls the Lord the root of David. In Revelation 22, verse 16, Jesus identifies himself. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. The root of this olive tree is not just Abraham, but believer Abraham. Abraham who believed in his offspring in whom all the families of the earth are to be blessed. Or we can say the root ultimately is the Messiah himself. This position was embraced by the theologian Origen. The one church is built on the foundation of the Messiah. In John 15 verse 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. The branches, the Gentile and Jewish believers continually partake of the fatness of the holy root. That is not Abraham, but the Messiah. Abraham himself was sustained and held up by the Messiah. So are all believers. They all live by the life of Christ. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do nothing. He said, because I live, you will live also. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. St. Paul says, when Christ who is your life appears, you will appear with him in glory. Because the root is holy, the branches are holy. Due to vital union with the root. The branches are the Jewish and 
the Gentile believers. Number four, the visible church. The one olive tree should be seen as the visible church of God. Church as it exists in history. Therefore, this tree has true believers who are eternally chosen, as Dr. Frame, John Frame says in his Doctrine of God. Who are eternally chosen and false believers who are only chosen in history to serve certain purposes of God. Such temporary branches exist uh, such as Esau, Saul, Achan, Judas, Ananias, Sapphira or Demas. They are historically chosen to serve God's purposes but not eternally chosen to be saved. Such historically only chosen prove themselves to be fruitless. They will not have true repentance or saving faith. For a while they may appear to be true, but in due time God's judgment will fall on them. God will cut them out of the tree. So we read in 1 John chapter 2, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belong to us. The visible church is a mixture of true and false believers. The true church, the church with only believers, exists in heaven. So we read in Hebrews 12, 22 through 24, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. The church exists on this earth as well as in heaven. So Hebrews 20 10, 24 to 25 speaks about church as it exists on earth. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So there is a visible church which consists of false and authentic believers, and the invisible church consists only of true believers. In due time, the false believers will experience the apotomia, the severity of the Lord of the church. He will cut them out. See, he cuts and we kick them out. Called X communication. It is the highest possible judgment God can give. So the Bible is full of warning, especially to proud and unfruitful believers. 
Second Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Second Peter 1.10. Therefore my brothers be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Revelation 2.5. Remember the height from which you have for repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Revelation 2 verse 20 through 23. If you don't repent, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Hebrews 3 verse 12. See to it brothers that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Hebrews 6 4 through 8. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. If they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Or, listen to this, Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. If you deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him? And who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said it is mine to avenge. I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The fifth, the warning. The majority of the Jews were unbelieving. They trusted in themselves. They refused to trust in the Messiah. So they were cut out by God himself. The Gentiles who believed in the Messiah. These branches from a wild olive tree. God who raises the dead. God grafted them into the one olive tree, the people of God. Now the Gentiles are in the majority in the church. But friends, we must resist the temptation to be proud. Do not despise the minority. Pride is devilish. It is not a fruit of the spirit. It is the greatest enemy of man. Pride goes before the fall. Pride kills Pride is opposed to grace. The devil became devil because of pride. Proud people need no savior. The pride of nationality, ethnicity, color, education, wealth, beauty, morality. Pride of certain gifts, natural and spiritual. 
pride looks down upon other people. Pride is justification by self-works, not justification by grace through faith. Pride negates the cross work of Christ. We were Gentiles like all sinners, Jewish, Gentile. We were dead, disobedient and damned. But because of God's rich mercy and great love, he made us alive in Christ. He raised us together with Christ. He seated us with Christ. That is, he regenerated us. He justified us. He forgave us all our sins. He's sanctifying us. And finally, he will glorify us and bring us to God. All this because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Friends, salvation is all of God. But as Dr. Lloyd-Jones said, damnation is all of men. So if we are saved by God, we are to be clothed with humility, thanksgiving, and eternal praise. The Jews were very proud of their lineage. They said, we are Abraham's children. They said, God is our father, but Jesus said, your father is the devil. So listen to these scriptures, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 12. These things, that is destruction of many thousands of those who experienced exodus, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings to us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, Be careful, you don't fall. Our salvation is always conditional. We are saved by saving faith, a gift of God which we exercise continually. Faith is self-denial and Christ trusting and resting. Romans 3 verse 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded on the principle of faith. Faith and self-boasting are eternal opposites. Therefore let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We are redeemed by the Lord for the praise of the glory of his grace. A true Christian is clothed not with arrogance but humility. Moses was a very humble man. Isaiah saw God's glory and he cried out, Woe to me! I am undone! So also Peter, Jesus depart from me, I am a sinful man. How can we see God in the word by faith and remain proud? How can we look down upon fellow believers if we see God and know ourselves truly? We stand in faith. It is by faith we are grafted into the one olive tree. It is by faith we produce fruit, more fruit and much fruit for Father's glory. The great scholar William Hendrickson says this. Absolute unconditional promises guaranteeing salvation either to Gentiles or Jews, no matter how they live, exists only 
in people's imaginations, not in scripture. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are his. On that day, the last day, the Lord of the church will say to many professing Christians, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil doers. Friends, the good shepherd knows that he loves his sheep. And the sheep belonging to him know that he loves their shepherd. Who laid down his life for them. The children of the same heavenly father love one another sacrificially as Christ loved us. And read my book, The Normal Church Life, to learn how we must behave in the church. We are called to the obedience of faith. So Paul says, through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Romans 6, 17, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Romans 15, 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what God has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in eternity for us to do. The humble are true believers who bear many fruits. As God's own people, we live by grace, godly lives in this present age. So in Romans 12 verse 2 he says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number six. Security of true believers. Yet no true believer shall ever experience the severity of being cut off from the people of God. Being cut off from Christ that is. That terrible experience. Is reserved for false believers of the visible church. Who are not eternally chosen by God to be holy and blameless in his sight in Christ. True believers. They are adopted sons. They have experienced regeneration. They bear the seal of the Holy Ghost. They are saved. They are being saved and they will be saved in full glory. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them from the hand of Christ or from the hand of the Father. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. They are eternally secure. They shall persevere to the end. 
Listen to this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Romans 8, 39. Nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is faithful. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Jude says to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. So in the visible church there are temporary branches, temporary believers. They are in the church because they get a lot of benefits. So we read in John 6 verse 66 from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Or look at the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But... Since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away and so on. John 15 verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Such people are not born of the spirit. They therefore lack authentic repentance and saving faith. They shall be cut off by Christ. They shall go away into eternal hell. All Israel is not Israel. Romans 9, 6. That's the principle. The eternally chosen are children of promise. They are grafted in and they abide in faith. They alone are objects of mercy prepared in advance for glory. They are the remnant. They are the elect. They are those whom God has foreknown. They are predestinated, effectually called and glorified. 
The true believers will abide in Christ by faith. They will live in holiness. They will be separate from the children of the devil. Who are objects of wrath. We read Ephesians 4.24 And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. First Peter 1.15 and 16 But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness. No one will see God. It's a taboo to say you must live a holy life even though it is in the Bible, every page. First John 3, 2, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Are we tempted to be arrogant? Then listen to the text. Verse 17 and 18. There you find. You were a wild olive tree. Dogs. Unclean. You were Gentiles. But God grafted you into the tree of the church of God. You did not do this. God grafted you in. That word is used six times in this text. You didn't graft yourself in. God did it. God saved you and incorporated you into the one olive tree. Don't be conceited. Romans 12 and verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And verse 16, live in harmony with one another. And do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Don't boast against the Jewish branches which are cut off. Don't look down upon them. Or don't be superior to the minority. Jewish believers, you are living by the fatness. You are living by the sap. The life of the root. Freely. Christ is our life. Apart from him we can do nothing. So we humble ourselves. We do not bear up the root. The root supports us. The root bears us up every moment. And sustains us every moment. There is therefore no room 
for pride. Only room for praise. What have you that you have not received from God? Or look at chapter 11, 19 through 20. You argue they are broken off and I am grafted in. True, but remember, they are broken off because they did not believe in their Messiah. You are grafted in because of faith and you remain in this tree by faith. What is faith? Self-denial and Christ trusting and resting. Not by self-righteousness. You stand by faith in Christ. Salvation at no point depends on the believer. Don't be high-minded. One becomes high-minded, arrogant and proud when one's focus is not on God. He becomes high-minded because he is a narcissist. He sees himself. Antidote to pride is holy fear. Fear God is the beginning of wisdom. Grace teaches us to fear God and grace removes all ungodly fears. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear God. Fear of God is holy fear. It keeps us from sinning. And keeps us diligently obeying God. Psalm 130 verse 4 says. God forgives us. Therefore he is feared. Exodus 20, 20 God came in this phenomenal way. That the fear of God may be with you. To keep you from sinning. Let me say. Everyone who sins. He sins. Because he. Does not fear God. Fear God. Fear of God kept Joseph from sinning against God. It kept Daniel from sinning against God. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus Christ. As we read in Isaiah 11. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, power. Spirit of the fear of God. And he, Jesus Christ, will delight in the fear of God. Jesus Christ was filled with this Holy Spirit. He feared the Lord. That kept him to the end in the path of obedience. Arrogance is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the flesh. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. 2 Corinthians 7.15 And his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient receiving him. That is the delegate of St. Paul receiving him how? 
with fear and trembling. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Don't be arrogant, but fear. Even that fear, he'll cut me off. Fear is a command. Every day you fear. Fear whom? Fear God. Oh, Americans, we don't fear anybody. That is arrogant American. Not only ugly American, he is arrogant. And he thinks he can solve all the problem with dollar. You cannot. Fear continually. Fear God who revealed himself in scriptures. Keep seeing God by faith. As you read the scriptures, as you hear the sermon, as you worship God, and it will keep you. 11.21, you can read it. Remember this, if God in his severity, in his holiness, in his justice, in his righteousness, in his wrath, cut off the unbelieving Jews, the descendants of Abraham, the natural branches, if God did not spare them, Then remember he will cut off and not spare you dogs, Gentiles. The unbelieving, arrogant Gentiles. So prove yourself to be a true believer by living by faith. Chapter 11 verse 22. The text says, notice, open your eyes wide. As I tell you. A principle. Notice. The goodness and what? The severity of God. The word severity means cutting off. Behold both the goodness and severity of God. When you read the word of God. You see Christ in every page. In his goodness. As well as. In his holiness. In his severity. He is the lamb slain for us. But he is also the lion of Judah. He is both savior and judge. He is not only goodness. He is not a doting father. There is a view of atonement. Which teaches unconditional love. This is the dominant view even in evangelical Christianity. Their view of atonement is this. Jesus says from the cross. Look at me. Though you crucified me. Yet I still love you. They reject substitutionary atonement. They reject the truth. Love and holiness kissed each other on the cross. That God may be just and justifier of those who believe in Jesus Christ. They reject the view Christ died for our sins. And raised for our justification. Friends do not ever separate goodness of God from his severity. In his severity he cut off the unbelieving Jews. The Gentiles are grafted in by his goodness. When you sever goodness from severity, you remove hell. 
Yet it was Jesus who spoke more about hell. You remove holiness of God. The chief attribute of God. You remove the wrath of God. You remove the cross. You remove the basis of salvation. If you remove severity from God. You fail to fear God. So know God in all his attributes. Not isolate one. Because you like love. And forgiveness. Know God in all his attributes. And you shall abide in his goodness by faith. Friends our great need. Is the knowledge of the holy God who loves us. And read the text, verse 23 and 24. Remember, God has a plan to graft into the olive tree of the church a majority of the national Israel on the basis of faith. No one is saved by his own power. How can dead and in the tomb Lazarus make himself alive? How can sinners dead, disobedient and going to hell save themselves? Only God is mighty to save. Do not cause. He says. With God all things are possible. If he saved those outside of the national Israel. The dogs. Then God is able to save the Jews. Who enjoyed certain historical privileges. Which Gentiles did not. The people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Divine glory. The covenants. The receiving of the Lord. The temple worship. And the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them trace the human ancestry of Christ. Who is God over all. Forever praised. Amen. Yes. Don't be arrogant. God is able to graft. The Jews back. Into the olive tree. On the basis of faith. And God is able to do it. Yes God is do not us. God is mighty to save. If he saves Gentile by faith. He is able to save his own people. With certain historical advantages. By the same faith. And he will do this not only as a minority as until now. In the future God will save the majority of national Israel. This is a revelation God has given to St. Paul. And the prophet Zechariah chapter 12, 13 and 14 prophesies that on that day. By Yom Hahu, on that appointed future day, the national Israel will experience revival and will come to confess our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me make some application. This is a warning to us as Christians. Number one. Beware arrogance of Christians is due to self-trust. Pride goes before the fall. And let us repent of our pride. 
Number two, instead of being proud, let us praise God for his great mercy. Let us praise God for his great salvation. Number three, let us by the diligent study of scripture know God in all his glory. That will cause us to fear him and live by faith. Number four, when Jesus saves us by saving faith. We shall persevere in faith to the end. Truly saved or eternally saved. They never fall from grace. Number five. Those branches cut off from the olive tree are temporary believers. Not eternally chosen and predestinated. The visible church is a mixture of Orpah and Ruth. Orpah will kiss you and leave in due time, but not Ruth. Number six, the scripture teaches that in God's plan, he will save the national Israel of a future generation by the only way of salvation, faith in Jesus Christ. Number seven, Gentile Christians are under obligation Not to despise the Jews, but to be friends of the Jews. Be a friend of Israel. Number eight. The arrogant Gentile churches in history have been cut off because they were arrogant. By the severity of Christ. Read church history. Look at Asia Minor. God cut off those churches. Look at North Africa. God cut off those churches. Look at Europe. God cut off Gentile churches. Look at India in increasing measure. God is cutting off churches. Look at this country. God is cutting off arrogant churches. Number nine. So pay heed to the warning. Don't be proud lest he show his severity in cutting you off. Number 10 if you are having trouble in being humble God will help you by giving you a thorn in the flesh and you wouldn't like it. Paul didn't like it and you read 2 Corinthians 12 7 two times In that one verse, St. Paul says, to keep me from becoming proud. God gave me a thorn to torment me. If you need help, sir, God will give you it. And you read 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30. For this reason, for sin, for arrogance... Every sin is due to arrogance. Many of you are what? Weak and sick and a number of you die. Number 11. This church reveals all marks of a true church, including church discipline, by which we cut off, excommunicate those who are proven to be arrogant and fruitless. Arrogant will be cut off. But Ruth, don't worry. 
you will not be cut off you will persevere to the very end Heavenly Father we pray that you help us to be humble have mercy upon us Lord prevent us from being arrogant we live and move and have our being in you what do we have we have not received give us knowledge of the holy one in jesus name amen